Today, I'm sitting down with Cami Cat, singer, songwriter, and D&D enthusiast. We discuss how she got into the music business, how she started creating her songs, and then move on to talking about Dungeons and Dragons, the more personal aspects of creating a character, and how to make your characters more interesting and fit better into whatever game or module you are playing. Sit back and relax. You're listening to Roll for Insight. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Roll for Insight. Cami, thank you so much for coming onto the show. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Of course. So, at the beginning of every show, top of the round, we always ask this question. So, what is your D&D pet peeve? It's not something that'll break up a friendship or a group, but just a little thing that makes you go, oh, pettiness is accepted. Oh, gosh, that's an interesting question. Um, I think when it comes to like my biggest pet peeve, if there's like an RP thing going on and someone interrupts it for whatever reason, like if someone's really in the flow of it, even if it's something like really mundane of like, oh, shit, like I need to go grab my food or something, um, then I'm just like, oh, you ruined my groove. It's like it's hard <laughs> I feel to get like back into Emperor it. Cusco. Yeah, I'm like, I was getting into it, man. I was feeling it. And all of a sudden, it's just like, you threw off my groove, man. It's gone. And you like lose your forever. train of thought. Yeah. And you're just like, what was I going to say? What was the emotion? What were we doing? Oh, no. Yeah, that that would be really awkward. I don't think that's ever happened to me, though. I can't like recall it, a specific moment. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen a lot. Um, I've had some situations where it's like somebody felt left out and they wanted to try and join in. And it was like, okay, but hold on a second. And then I've also had moments where it was completely by accident or it's like they were trying to get their food or something. And I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really hard to, because for, for a lot of people, especially when you're just starting out, like when you start out with role playing, you need that sort of zone to get into character, mm-hmm. to get the lines out, to get the right emotions out. So mm-hmm. even if it's like a small interruption, like even your phone going off can completely throw you out of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm, like, very slow when it comes to RP things. I really like to think about what my character is going to say and, like, the words that I want to come out. Only because I also just think about the words I say in general when I'm, like, having a conversation with somebody. When it comes to, like, RP stuff, I'm very slow when it comes to RP stuff because I really want to think about what my character is saying. And I really, really want to think about how they're going to say it, especially just because in regular conversation, I have to think through what I'm going to say next. So if anything interrupts me or if like I am or someone like steps over it during the RP, I go, okay, let me reset what I was going to say. And it takes me another like two to three seconds to think about my response. So sometimes it takes a while for me to get into the flow of things. So it can even be someone who's really good at RP, who's really good at like sort of like rolling with what they want to say. And I'm just going to go, wait, wait, I have a response. Wait, no, <laughs> come back. And the conversation gets like pulled away. And I'm like, no. Dang yeah, it. I was I was helping to coach like speech speech competitions, and mm-hmm. even like when I was judging like s- performers, and they and it's really frowned upon. Like the rounds are held in like classrooms, but mm-hmm. when they're performing, and th- and these kids have scripts, right? When you're RPing, you don't yeah. have a script. You're working with yeah. nothing. Even if someone were to open the door, I mean, that's considered to be incredibly rude because it could com- 
even when you have a script, it can completely just throw you out. Like you are lost the moment Mm -hmm. an interruption like that happens. Exactly. And so I'm so particular when I'm like in the zone of something. So if someone speaks over me, I'm like, I appreciate it. But also, oh no, I had a really good idea and now it's not going to fit. So I'm just going to leave it in my pocket and I'll just move on. And and it's gone forever and you're probably never going to come back to it. And then in a week, it will be lost even to your memory. Now that with that out of the way, we got to get down to brass tacks. I mean, you work a lot in the fantasy music. You make a lot of songs for Dungeons and Dragons. You make a lot of songs for fandom. So how did you start to build up this sort of career that you've got going on on YouTube and in the music world? I mean, a lot of people, they struggle to get broken into that creative space. So how'd you start out? Well, I actually started out a really, really long while ago. You can see it on my channel. Um, I've been on this uh, particular platform since 2010. Um, And when I first started, I did a lot of more of like drawing and animation on that side of things. And I didn't even know what Dungeons and Dragons was. Um, I didn't learn about the whole tabletop world until I was in my sophomore year of college. End of my sophomore year of college and my friend um friend of like 10 11 years now messaged me i was like hey i have this really fun idea for a game and it's a story and it's cool and i custom made it and i want you to like play in it with me and i was like cool what is it and she explained it to me and i was like okay i'll try it and now i'm hooked and that's how i entered into that world and with the youtube stuff creativity has always sort of like kept me sane um just in life in general since i've had the channel so long it's gotten me through um high school got me through college it is keeping me sane while i'm like at my full-time job i just like have always done it to sort of like keep myself entertained and it's only been happenstance that other people have found it and have been entertained by it as well which i really really appreciate so now i mean you have a full-time job but you also do this as like a side gig so how does a lot of content creators and people who start to break into that creative space they struggle with burnout because they did this to relax. They did this in their free time. This was like a fun thing for them. But then it started becoming like a source of income. It started becoming a gig for them. It started becoming even a job for some people. How do you deal with burnout? How do you start to like even use this space to sort of relax and deal with whatever's going on when you're kind of in that headspace of I've worked too much and now I don't know if I can work anymore? Mm-hmm. So there are a couple of things that that I tend to do and just as like advice for other folks, if you have the means of making it like your full-time employment, I would say not to not be afraid to reach out to other people to help you. Um, One, it gives them the experience they need and as well as sort of helps them get their foot into the door when it comes to like working in that sort of world. They get to see it for themselves. Um, Or they might be established and working with other people and you might just be able to like find um, really nice resources from other people who are already in the field. Not being afraid to sort of like reach out and collaborate with people, commission people who are better at the things that you aren't necessarily a fan of. Like my Achilles heel with creation is editing. I hate editing videos. It is so taxing for me. Um, especially because I didn't have the necessary plugins and stuff. I'm trying to learn myself out of it just so I can get my stuff out a little bit more often. Because of that, I have a couple of people I know, like off the cuff, I can just message them and go, hey, I really don't want to work on this. Can I like commission you to do this? What is your like workload right now? And more often than not, thankfully, 
they're like, oh, yeah, no, I can totally do this. Like, it's, it's easy as pie. And I'm like, yay. <laughs> and so a lot of stuff gets done a lot faster because there are people who are better at things that I am trying to learn. And so not only can they help you get something done, they can help you learn and improve on what you're trying to do, which I think is like really, really nice. Another thing to sort of help prevent burnout would probably be just finding something else that you enjoy, which sounds weird because it's like content creation is supposed to be the thing I enjoy. It's like, okay, that makes sense. But if it starts becoming your job, you need to start finding other things that sort of like can keep you not thinking about other things so that you can sort of reset your brain. And that for me, at the moment, that's sort of playing small games with my friends like Sea of Thieves. I love just going on that game for a couple hours and just going on that open water and just seeing it, enjoying myself, enjoying my time. Or even just hanging out in a call with friends or going out to see friends too. Just getting yourself away from the content for a week, maybe, not even. And just giving yourself a lot of little breaks between it really, really helps. Yeah, I started picking up the saxophone again. It's been really good for like helping to bridge that gap and work through burnout. So when you were working through your career, is there something that you find, what was the one thing that you were like, yes, that was a great decision. And then what's another thing that you felt like, man, I could have done that better. Like just when you're going through the content creation path, like a big mistake and a big win. I think what's so interesting is that a lot of the successes on my channel have been accidents. Um, and so I think the, the best positive thing I have done for myself is continuing to make things that I enjoy more so than what other people are going to request of me. I will still get the odd request every now and again of things that I are, have done in the past but have moved on from. A good example of this is Undertale. I loved that game when I when it first came out, and so I wanted to do a couple of lyrical adaptations just because I really liked the music and I wanted to keep up with it when I was swimming because I was also like a varsity swimmer, and so I liked to listen to music in my head while I was swimming. I've lived a weird life, so... <laughs> no, it's a huge um, coincidence because I also... I wasn't varsity... Well, actually, was I? I don't remember, but yeah, I was... I, I, I did swimming too, but then I developed an intense oh, hatred. Shoot. I developed an intense hatred of water. Some things happened, and now I won't even, like, touch a pool or the Yay, ocean ever in my life. Twins. <laughs> um, but oh my gosh, no way. That's That's actually really interesting. Yeah. Oh my god. But yeah, no, so like... You know, in like the longer sets or longer practices, you're trying to like keep yourself sort of occupied. Yeah, you um, need to like, I was doing a 500 and I was running the Destiny soundtrack in my head, like just, um, exactly. yeah, you that's like how you do it. music in your head, yeah. Mm -hmm. That's and how so you do it. And so for me, like I was listening to Undertale and in particular Megalovania and I was like, oh my gosh, I really like the song. I can't keep up with it if it doesn't have words. So I made up words in my head and then I was like, I like them. I'm going to record it. And then it blew up and I was like, oh. I could probably do more of these. So <laughs> um, I did a couple more and then I was like, okay, I'm done. And primarily because there was a lot of shenanigans in sort of the Undertale fandom when it came to lyrics and who wrote them and like voices and stuff. And so I was like, okay, I'm not enjoying this anymore. I'm going to move away from it. And a lot of people stopped watching my stuff, but I still had the consistent folks who started watching me, not necessarily for Undertale, but just because... They liked what I was doing with my channel. So I was like, okay, cool. I'm just going to keep doing what I'm doing. Maybe something else will pop up. And a few months later, when I joined a new Dungeons & Dragons campaign, it wasn't new, but I was new. It was The campaign had been going on for like two years. 
And the character I was making was completely random. The design I'd had for a few months, but I was like making her up as I went along. And my same friend who got me into tabletop got me into this campaign. And we were just talking about the character and like rolling stats and rolling history stuff. And we found this one chart. Um, I'll try and get it and send it to you because it's super cool. Just all these little random events. I knew I wanted to be a folk hero and... Um, one of the random events that I landed on, it was like, you got eaten by a giant fish and survived. And I just like slammed my hand on the desk and I was like, that's how she got famous. Hold on. Let me write something down. And I like that fit of inspiration turned into Ma of the King. It was a total accident, but I was like, oh my God. Yes. I love this. This is fun for me. And I made it and I posted it for shenanigans. And now I'm doing a bunch of dozen Dungeons and Dragons stuff. Yeah. But I'm still, in, yeah, but I'm still enjoying it. So no um, joke. So Hold on, yeah. I have to, I have to, I have to bring this up because you mentioned yeah. getting eaten by a fish. No joke. Did you yeah. see the story about a guy? He's a, I think he, he was, a, he, he fishes for lobster. But anyway, while he was at work doing whatever he does, he got eaten by a whale and he <gasps> survived. Oh my gosh! Yeah. No, wait, really? Yeah, he was on. He was. He there was a news article made about him, and he did a Reddit AMA. He was like, "Hey guys, I got eaten by a whale and survived." <laughs> ask Tell me, me what, ask what it is. <laughs> So that's so crazy. It was dark and slimy and uh, apparently incredibly <laughs> terrifying and awful and terrible. Oh my god! I don't know how I got out of that. Know. I don't know how I got out of that, dude. <laughs> I I, t- I, I didn't insane. ask. I think it was something like he got dis- he got lodged in the teeth and it, like the whale opened its mouth again and he got thrust out and right as his pack was like running out of oxygen, like he was about to go out. But he got right. Oh wow! I was like, "Damn, dude, that is so scary. That is horrifying." I always think of whales as these majestic creatures, but then you remember that they could just nom you down. Yeah, no, they're huge. They're really big. I've seen a oh humpback in person, but yeah, you don't, you don't know how big they are until you're like right there and you realize these yeah. things are huge. Oh my god, I bet. But anyway, back to what you're saying. <laughs> Had to bring that up. No, you're good. You're good. But yeah, um, so I started that and it turned into like me doing a bunch of Dungeons and Dragons songs. And what's so great about D&D is that if I am not necessarily entertained by one game, I can all, I always have another game that I can, that I'm a part of that can keep me entertained or like it motivate me to like make music for it. And it just sort of varies and stuff. It just happened to be that this one song and this one character, Danny, everyone just really, really enjoys. So I'm making more songs for her campaign. It's just taking a hot minute. <laughs> but yeah. How did you, so you already brought up like your friend got you into yeah. Dungeons and Dragons. Um, so how did yeah, that like come up? Too. Dungeons and Dragons in general? Yeah, how did you how did you get into the game? Like I got into it because yeah. I watched the Dice Camera Action Show on the D&D channel. Like that's why I got into it. Yeah. So what about you? Roguzu was actually in it before I was. And she had been part of um tabletop campaigns that were running in the Chronicles of Darkness mechanic and uh, Hunter the Vigil, and they were all like custom campaigns, which was like really really cool. Um she wanted to try running her first campaign and she wanted to introduce me to the game because she thought that I'd really enjoy the storytelling aspect of it. And she wasn't wrong. <laughs> oh. um, and we started it when I was sophomore in college into junior year of college. And 
also primarily because primarily but because I was also in sort of a rut in my swimming career. I was having a really big struggle of like not being where I wanted to be there. I was getting frustrated with that, frustrated with school. And she really wanted to give me something that I could sort of like escape to. It just turned into this huge story. I think it took a total of like three years, like three and a half years. So it got me all the way through college and into my full-time job that I have right now. Um, and so it gave me a little bit of sort of comfort and stability in a moment where I didn't necessarily have that, which was really, really cool. And I really, I was super thankful for it. Is there anything that you cite now in hindsight? Is there anything that rings you as like, I was using this game as a sort of escape, like anything you did differently in the game or a way that you played it that in hindsight, you now realize that was me trying to use it to like manage my life and the situation that I'm currently in. I think that there are a couple of things that I didn't really realize about myself at the time. It wasn't that I was necessarily trying to escape from anything. It was that these things that I did to myself that weren't necessarily necessarily the best, and I'm trying to be better about it, primarily because a lot of my characters are very like self-sacrificing in that they are willing to do anything for their friends. And as we like played, I think there was a dis- distinctly one moment where somebody brought up to the character listen, if you keep on giving, like, if you keep on doing all this stuff, what's going to happen when you have nothing left? And I just sat there and I went, oh, no. (laughs) Oh, no. Wait a minute. This wasn't supposed to be about me. Yeah. (laughs) D&D characters, I mean, you are writing this character and a lot of D&D characters, like, we try to say, like, oh, you shouldn't play yourself in a D&D game. But, I mean, come on. You're playing yourself Mm -hmm. in a D&D game. Like, nine times out of ten, they definitely have something to do with you. Like they, mm-hmm. they can reveal a lot about yourself that even you were unaware of. Exactly. For a lot of people, um, the closest thing they have to creating something of a story is their own personal experience, even if they don't necessarily realize it at first. And so for somebody who is really like a homebody, really loves their family, they might make a character who absolutely has like a giant family of people of like NPCs that one, the DM can grab at and like implement into the game. But also they sit there and go, oh, wow. Yeah, no, I really, this is really hit home for me in ways I didn't expect it to, which is like really, really nice. Have you ever made a character with, because often people make characters with dead families or families that just never appear in the game. Have you ever made a character? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, yes, absolutely. Um, primarily my rogue um, half-elf Ileana. I basically really, I lean into the most stereotype stereotype when it came to half elves of like <laughs> her Wait, dad okay. was an elf. No <laughs> joke. <laughs> I, I'm writing NPCs for my campaign. I swear. If any of my players, if you're listening to this, you can skip, skip forward like five minutes. All right. Give me a sec. <laughs> but, but anyway, I'm writing NPCs for this campaign. No joke. There's a half elf sorceress named Ileana. And now I'm like, Oh, is it a common name? <laughs> Everyone using this. No, I don't think it is. I just liked the name because it was pretty. Oh yeah. It's a pretty name. I like it. I like it <laughs> yeah. a lot. Anyway, but, um, what you're saying. Yeah. Ileana's probably the, the, a lot of what I love about it is like the tropey kind of stuff. I love that. It fills me with joy. Even if people are like, oh my God, it's so overdone. I'm like, there's a reason it's overdone because people like it. Yeah, like it works. Me. Yeah, it, it works. works. So Ileana, her dad is an elf and her mom is a human. Her mom is part of um, nobility in Waterdeep. Yes, I played into that a lot. Loaded. <laughs> Sounds good to me. 
Oh yeah. Well, no, she's not loaded. Her family actually is oh. very low rung. Oh, yeah. oh, <laughs> not yeah, her loaded. Very, her family's very low rung on the no, on the nobility scale. But um, at this point now, she's actually tra- changed a lot. She's actually been in two different campaigns. She was in Tomb of Annihilation, and she was also in Dragon Heist. Um, and it was the same DM that ran her in both. So primarily because we, I did Tomb of Annihilation and had to leave for time purposes. And he was like, I really, really want you to lean into sort of like the Waterdeep um, shenanigans of the Waterdeep, like noble nobility and all that crazy stuff. There is a game where you can do that. And I would love for you to bring back Ileana. And I was like, okay, uh, but I don't want her to be the class that I played her in in Tomb of Annihilation because she's been through some stuff and she's sad now. And he's like, okay, <laughs> what do you want to be? And I was like, I want to be a rogue. And he was like, but your girl's a paladin. And I'm like, rogue. And he was like, all right. <laughs> I was like placing like little mini bets in my head as to what sad class you'd pick. Yeah. <laughs> is there any class like what is is it just me or there are there are definite emotions or like tropes related to each D&D class that people mm-hmm. some some of them are like very everyone knows about the horny bard or the you know yeah. hard ass paladin like everyone knows about that but am I the only one every time I hear a sad character I'm just like are you talking about a warlock? <laughs> That That is also one that it can lean into the Warlock very, very much so. Warlock and Rogue, I think, are interchangeable with the sad backstory. Though any character can have a sad backstory and anyone can have a happy backstory. Like, my bard, Danny, who, like, everyone is most, like, Caesar is, like, this huge, like, badass kind of character. Super happy-go-lucky. Yeah, she's yeah. super happy-go-lucky. She's super confident. She's super all this, all that. I sit there and I'm like, then she has fooled you. It just says she has tried to fool everyone else in her life. So good job on her for tricking you because she is very much a fake it till you make it kind of person. And now she's made it and she still doesn't know what she's doing. Yeah. One of her closest friends is the rogue. Um, There are two rogues in the character in the party. Uh, One of them is a PC. One of them is an NPC. And they're both like the closest to Danny because they saw straight from the first like introduction, they were like, okay, so you're hiding something. And she's like, nah. And they're like, you're hiding something. You're sad. And she's like, don't tell anyone. Yeah. <laughs> and they were like, okay, no. But like, stop putting yourself down. And she's like, okay, I'm not trying to. And they're like, no, stop putting yourself down. Like, stop making yourself the butt of the joke. And she's like, okay, I'll try. Yeah. I mean, what happens? I mean, you all, you said like your character was trying to make it, she made it, and then she didn't know what to do. Like, that often happens with a lot of D&D characters. Like, uh, we often give the advice of, hey, give your character a goal. Well, mm-hmm. what happens when they attain it? A lot of characters don't have anywhere to go after that. So do you have any advice for people and their characters? They've made their goal, they've avenged their family, or they've retrieved their family's heirloom, or they've done something that doesn't involve their family. Do you have a, a piece of advice for people who have attained their goal and don't know where to take this character next? I think that that has already been answered by Eugene Fitzherbert in Tangled in that one scene where um, Rapunzel is like, what if it like, what if it isn't everything that I dreamed it would be? And he goes, it will. And she goes, but what if it is everything I dreamed it would be? And he says, then you find a new dream. During the campaign, you have plenty of opportunities to get invested in other stories while also being invested in your own. You can be working towards your end goal, be like your end all be all dream. But if you get emotionally attached, like you're to another player character, your character is invested in what their goal is too. And if so, if you guys get invested in like the, the end goal plot, 
for whatever reason, even if it's just because you don't want your teammates to die, then that is a goal for you. So even if you reach the end all be all of like why your characters started in there, if you find a way during that be all end all goal to get invested in another story that isn't completed yet, even if you finish that main goal, you still have something you're fighting for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I was watching, oh, I remember, I believe it was a a Ginny D video and and she was talking about how you as a player, you need to get invested in the stories of other party members, which I mean, mm-hmm. sounds kind of weird. Like, oh, I'm in this game too. But I mean, when you're getting invested in someone else's story, I mean, you do that all the time whenever you watch a movie or a television show and it can give your character a nice hook to get into exactly. another story. Exactly. The Dragon Heist game now is technically done. A lot of it leaned on Ileana's story because the way my DM made like her relationships in the game, it was evil and conniving, but it was really good. But sort of like her end mission could have ended there, but she got really heavily invested in a teammate who's now his sort of like main mission is to find out more about himself because he has no has no memories of himself. His sort of mission now is to sort of find the source of like who he is and what he was made for in Undermountain uh, because we're going to start the camp, the pre-published campaign about the Mad Mage. And so Ileana, even though her story is kind of done, like her whole thing pretty much is done safe for one thing, which is probably going to pop up during the further campaign stuff. She's not as much invested in herself anymore. She's like, I, I definitely have some more stuff going on. But I want to help my friend. I want to help him sort of figure himself out. So, and also, I don't want him going in there by himself. He's squishy. And so <laughs> he's our, our squishy sorcerer. So yeah, I was about to, all... I was calling it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, he's not that squishy. Um, Ileana's actually squishier than he is. Oh, but... damn. <laughs> um, As a rogue? She actually... Yeah, no, my dump stat is constitution. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> I made a glass cannon. It's really fun. Yeah. No, that's sort of the thing, though. Like, a lot of people think you have to min-max and stuff, too. But I'm like, no, dude. Let's make it as crazy as can be. I think it's fun. It's dangerous. Yeah, it my dangerous my buddy, my... Well, I had a player who... She played a sorceress in my first ever campaign of Curse of Strahd. And she mm-hmm. dumped Constitution. And I was like, I didn't realize what that would mean. Because she also didn't have high decks because she was a sorcerer. Oh. Uh, so, um, yeah, that was a that was a campaign. <laughs> that stuff happened, and it was it was really rough sometimes. <laughs> oh man, I feel you on that. But yeah, no, like, um, if you can get yourself invested in the other characters, not all of them either. You can get invested in like one other person and have like that be your bestie. If you get invested in your besties like story, then you can help them and continue to fight with them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, people hate it when I bring up critical role, but you know, eat shit. Uh the uh <laughs> I mean Caleb and Not, I mean their stories are so interconnected. Like a lot of Caleb's character progression came from Not and vice versa. Like that was a lot mm-hmm. of what their story was. Caleb's I mean, Caleb's plot around the uh what were they called? The the bad the bad guys, the Trent and his gang. Caleb's, yes, Trent and Yvonne, yeah. Yeah, Trent. I mean, that, that doesn't come up a lot. Like, that wasn't a huge thing for a while. I mean, he had the PTSD episodes, but it wasn't an active part of the story. A lot of what he was doing was revolving around Nott and her family and her transformation mm-hmm. and getting her out of that situation. And that is actually another thing. If you really are, are not entirely sure how you want something to go, before the campaign even starts... Start a relationship with another person's character. That is part of the reason why I'm enjoying Necro Hunt so much, the stream campaign that Joe's a part of, 
from the beginning, me and uh, Daddy Chappie, we both like we were all trying to figure out what kind of characters we wanted to play. And I was like, I kind of want to, I kind of want to play a bard. And Daddy was like, Well, I kind of want to play a bard, but you know what? We don't have to play a bard. And I was like, We can both be bards. He's like, What if we are bards together? And I was like, oh, Do we have plans? And he's like, We have plans. And I was like, Okay, hold on. And we like, he dragged me into another call, and we started talking about the whole like interaction between both of our characters and how they knew each other before the campaign started so that there was already an established relationship there between them. Has One, it, it been creates... Davy Chappie this whole time? Yeah. What? Oh God. <laughs> I've been pronouncing it Davy Chappie this entire time. Wait, what? Oh no. I swear I've watched his video. Every single beginning of his sh- video. I swear. He I hear. I swear to God. He says Davy Chappie. I swear. No. I have oh, to no. go back now. Oh no. Oh dear. Well, anyway, <laughs> continue. That's embarrassing. Well, but yeah, no, because we had that sort of like established relationship between the two of them, it's really fun to play off of that and it's really easy to build on improv with that because it's a yes and situation. Um instead of having character conflicts constantly, you sort of like roll with it because it when you start talking with the person in the game, you kind of like think to yourself oh yeah, this probably would be already an established thing between them. And you can think of what your character would do immediately off of that since you've already discussed it with the player beforehand. You don't have to do that. I just find that if you do that, it's also, it's super duper fun. Sorry, or if you dog. Like, oh right no, back. dog, I love dog. He's, he, oh, I love dog. He's my goodest boy, but he keeps on... He really wants to get he my Legos. He needs to let you know he's he needs to let you know he's there no i, I think he, he just wants my legos very badly oh <laughs> oh he's so baby cute. he's also crawling on all my very sensitive wires so oh dear yeah okay you know sam just stay right there don't move he's not moving Aww, he's good. all right anyway baby. continue uh, <laughs> all good but yeah no like you can either have that established relationship with somebody um you don't have to, or you can build that relationship um, in the campaign, like starting off by just letting a player know, like, hey, I really like your character and I think that the two would get along. You don't have to necessarily like come up with everything in that moment, but just say, hey, I want to talk to your character more. I want them to get closer together. Um, how would we go about doing that? Let's find time where they can like talk to each other like by themselves and sort of like get through with that. Because that also helps sort of um if you're not a huge fan of like conflict conflict is okay in like smaller bits but if you have too much of it it sort of like makes the the campaign more difficult yeah no if you find a moment to talk with another player where you can make opportunities for the, the characters to talk that way you can get closer together as like they can become friends that's sort of where those bonds can grow and where you can sort of build on what your character can fight for in the campaign uh, yeah, I call that the I call that the like Arya Stark advice because when I whenever I think of that, I always think of her and the Hound in Thrones, because mm-hmm. their characters were both very edgy loners, but bouncing off of each other, they were like the best duo in the game. So yeah, exactly. If you like have a duo in there, you don't have to be friends with anybody. Everybody, you just gotta be friends with one. Yeah, and it gives you a really good in for roleplay conversation, especially if your character is quiet and their character is more charismatic, open, talky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you mentioned that you played modules like Tomb of Annihilation and Waterdeep, and I was hoping to get your insight as a player in on this because last yes. last episode I was talking to Bob Worldbuilder and he DMs a lot 
about yes. flaws in the current D&D modules, like things we see as common issues with 5th edition modules that have been coming out. Like we talked about Candlekeep Mysteries, we talked about uh, Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. As a player, do you have like anything that you would like nitpick about the modules that have been recently come? Obviously, there are some that are better than others. You know, Curse of Strahd is known as like the best one ever, and the Dragon one is known as the not best one ever. But <laughs> I mean, you you play Tomb of Annihilation, you played Wardeep. Those are both known for like being pretty damn good campaigns. Is there anything though that you've noticed that happens in those modules that you're just unsatisfied with? Um. Well, for me, I'm not as much of a dungeon crawler. I'm very much more into sort of the role play. So for me, like, the, the Tomb of Annihilation was not as much fun. And I'm also not great when it comes to mechanics and stuff. And so when you play a paladin who without their armor is nine, and you keep getting jumped in the middle of the night, it gets a little frustrating. Yeah. Even if it's just a random event, even if it's a random encounter, and your DM can't do much about it, it gets frustrating after a while. And so, especially when you build this character to sort of like help fight and protect people, and you can't do that with an AC of nine. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're you're like a sitting duck. Exactly. You're nowhere. sort of screwed. You're sort of screwed. And you're just like, oh, man, everything that I sort of like wanted this character to help with, they can't do because of this sort of technical issue and this one thing in the module that makes it more difficult. Um, because I am very much, it sort of depends on the player, I think. When it comes to me as a player, I very much love the role play aspect and sort of like the fun battle aspects. I'm not good with mechanics and I'm not good with sort of like big old dungeon crawls. So some modules for me are better than others. I think it's just finding one, a module you know you're going to enjoy or a DM knowing what you sort of prefer and building off of that. Um, for me in Waterdeep, we ended up doing something with sort of a time crunch. And while that can work, if you don't give them the players enough time, especially if it's sort of a big group of people who take a while to sort of think things through and they also love sort of more of the role-playing aspect, sometimes you forget about the mechanical things you need to do and then you go, oh God, you have two days to figure something out before everything goes like belly side up. And it's just, it's a, you go, okay, I have to figure this out, which... It can happen to a lot of players at a lot of games. At the end of the day, I think you can run any module as long as you communicate between the DM and players well enough of like what you're expecting out of the kind of game you want. Yeah, I think... Oh, oh yeah, yeah, you go, you go. I, I think that a big problem with a lot of them is that, like, like you said, you need to find the right module. Well, I don't think Wizard of the Coast does a great job at communicating what the right module is, especially when these books are like forty bucks. Like, it's not like mm -hmm. you can preview them, and you know the previews that do exist, they're not they're not awesome. And mm -hmm. the only real like ring that like I knew I would like Curse of Strahd because I listened to Chris Perkins run Curse of Strahd, so I listened to the whole mm -hmm. campaign. I knew what I was in for. I knew that my players would like it, but. If I don't have that available, and let's be honest, for a lot of campaigns, that isn't available because running a campaign is like, that's a year, that's an almost a year long commitment. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's hard to sometimes pick the right module. Do you have any advice for people who are looking for the right adventure for their group? Like, what do you look for when you're like, yeah, I'm going to like this? Oh. Um, one, Primarily, since I'm a player, I ask my DM what kind of game it is, because if anything, the DM has the most information about what, what is going on. And then 
telling them what you want out of the game because you might have other people who do like the dungeon crawly stuff who do like the battles and all and like the mechanics and everything and that's fine i would just like sit there and go please don't like knock me for something that's like really tiny mechanically because i will get frustrated yeah and i won't enjoy myself at the table which is like not what i want out of the game i am a very simple human being you give me fun role play moments and i will enjoy myself <laughs> Regardless of what it is, like I can make it through the like dungeon crawly stuff as long as there's not too much of it and I can counterbalance it with conversations between the players, between NPCs and like building those relationships. While a mechanic person would probably be like, I don't want as much of the RP stuff. That's sort of like the compromise in that's part of the game. You work with everyone at your table to sort of create this happy balance. And if there isn't that happy balance, just keeping that constant communica communication open after sessions of just saying like, hey, DM, that was a little long for me or that that was a lot of battle for me. I'm a little wiped. Can I like have a little bit of like a lighter session next time where we have a little bit more RP shenanigans? And the DM might be like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, no problem. Or if it's sort of you're in the middle of a dungeon, it's like, well, I can't necessarily give you the full RP moments that you want, but maybe during the watches you like take a watch with somebody and have that moment to yourself of like whatever you want to talk about. And I was like, okay, cool. I can do that. To wrap up uh, this segment, uh, what is one major thing that you've learned as a Dungeons and Dragons player? Like what's one big lesson that you've taken away that you think other people should start their D and D lives with like a big, big lesson that you really are happy that you learned. Always thank your DM. They work very, very hard. And they do a lot to make sure that the game goes well, but also don't be afraid to let your DM know if you're having a problem, because if you sit there and sort of like swallow whatever is happening, you're not going to enjoy the game and it's going to get more frustrating as it goes on, because if you don't communicate there's something wrong, people won't know there's something wrong. So just keeping the communication up and just enjoying the, enjoying the moments that you have, whether that is the battle for you, whether that is RP for you, whether that is the story for you, just rolling with it and having fun. Yeah, absolutely. So, so all that's left now is to say, what have you got going on this week? This week, um, I'm probably going to be working on a couple of different projects. I will stream them on my YouTube channel more likely than not. Um, and hopefully I'll have a video out this week. We'll see. That depends on if I get the video uh, editing done this weekend. Awesome. And as we heard that it's the bane of my existence, yep. we'll see. <laughs> the bane of my existence, too. This is going to be a fun project. So <laughs> if you guys enjoyed this episode of Roll for Insights, then please do leave a like to let me know. If you want to see more of my content, then please subscribe to Crispy's Tavern or follow on over podcast platform you're listening on. Uh, if you can leave a rating, also do that. Finally, if you can, comment down below. If you can't think of a comment leave the comment ma of the king to let me know you made it to the end of the video in essence like comment subscribe we will both see you all next time farewell <laughs>